When I first moved to Canada from the United States, I occasionally would come across a symbol that I did not recognize. It is a red circle with a white rectangle across it. You know what that means. You know it means do not enter. I did not know that. And so the first time I was in the Parliament building, I walked right past a sign with that symbol until someone started shouting at me and told me I was going where I could not go. And they pointed at the sign. And I quickly figured out what that sign meant. When it comes to the God of Israel, there was a perception that he had a similar sign around him, particularly for Gentiles. No entry, no access, do not enter. The temple in Jerusalem where Jesus taught and argued with the religious leaders had a special outer courtyard where Gentiles were allowed to worship, but they were not allowed to come any closer to the sanctuary because the sanctuary was where God's presence dwelled. There were signs, both in Greek and in Latin, that read, no foreigner is to enter the barriers surrounding the sanctuary. He who is caught will have himself to blame for his death, which will follow. There was no mistaking the message here. Only Jews were allowed to enter. And if any Gentiles missed the message of that sign, the consequences would be fatal. When we read the Old Testament, though, we learn that the Lord God Almighty made a special covenant with the family of Jacob, who was renamed Israel. Israel's 12 sons would become the 12 tribes of Israel. And this family would grow into a people group that the Lord would deliver from slavery in Egypt and he would make a special covenant with. The Lord would be their God and they would be his people. They were to follow him. They were to follow his commandments and worship only him. He delivered them, protected them, fought for them, and granted them land and access to his holy presence. Unlike the other gods that were worshipped in the ancient Near East, the Lord God was not tied to any particular land. The entire world, the entire universe belonged to him. So he did not have boundaries on where he dwelled. He traveled with his people. He was with them as he led them out of Egypt, as they wandered in the desert, and as they settled in the land of Canaan. Well, that, that was great for them. But what about everybody else? Did God care about anyone besides the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Actually, he did. The Lord loved his people Israel, and he saw them as the people who would bring his light to the nations. In fact, when the Lord first called Jacob's grandfather, Abraham, he told him, 
in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. The Lord's blessing was not to be only for Abraham's descendants through Isaac and Jacob, but for all. Throughout the Old Testament, we find passages like the one we heard read today from Isaiah that point to God's plan beyond his people Israel. In Isaiah 56, we read, Do not let the foreigner join to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. If non-Israelites entered into the same covenant as the people of Israel, keeping the same commandments, putting their trust in the Lord, the Lord would accept them as his people. A good example of this is Ruth, the Moabite, who pledged to her Israeli mother-in-law, Naomi, your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Ruth entered into the covenant of the people of Israel and became one with them, even becoming King David's great-grandmother and one of the ancestors of Jesus. But God's promise went beyond these lone individuals that joined up with Israel. As Isaiah 56 continues, For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Thus says the Lord God, who gathers the outcasts of Israel, I will gather others to them besides those already gathered. While the signs in the temple surely did not reflect this, the Lord's vision was to bring Jews and Gentiles together, to expand his kingdom to all who would put their faith in him. It wasn't until the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost that this vision began to be realized. As both Jews and Gentiles put their faith in Jesus, new communities of faith were formed where one's primary identity was not Jew or Gentile, but rather one who has been baptized into the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Christian baptism was a new sign, a sign of belonging. All who put their faith in Jesus and are baptized are to be counted as children of the living God. The Lord is their God, and they are his people. And they don't have to worry about whether they can enter the temple or not, because the Holy Spirit of God dwells inside them. No one can keep them from God's presence. Friends, this is good news for us and for the world. Whether we are counted in the world as outsiders or insiders, foreigners or Canadians, haves or have-nots, we are all sinners who can be redeemed by Jesus, who gave his life for us and for our salvation. The only thing that can hold us back from this great gift is ourselves. The new covenant in Christ's body and blood is open to us all. So this morning, as we witness the baptism of Alexander, 
let us affirm our baptismal promises and remember that we have been invited into the family of God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.